I liked the trailer. I thought it was a very well done. It looks like a well done movie. But I will say that I'm only really interested in Selena as Zoe Kravitz as okay. uh, Selena Kyle. She is. Let me she step out of that. The boot, the boot the out boot. the car. <laughs> the boot out the car. It was a wrap. The, I was like, I'm going to see it. It doesn't even matter. Yep. <laughs> that was a shot. She looks good. She's like, and so, you know. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Another Relaunch. Um, I am Starfire Coriander. Mm, hello, I am the Black Canary, Dinah Laurel Lance. Yes, and welcome yeah. to another episode. How are you? How are you doing this week? I'm all right. I am like house and dog sitting for a good friend of mine. And so like I've been kind of dealing with that all week. Uh, the dog itself is very fine he like sleeps a lot <laughs> however um when he's up and active he is up and active so that's been exciting does he wake up in the middle of the night oh my or, like, gosh yes bark? and he he so he does bark he'll like bark on occasion he has like these bark fits. I, I was saying i think he had an amnesia at first because so, like when i was first hanging out with the dog we were like getting along and then he went to sleep and when he woke back up he was like barking at me again and i was like what's going on <laughs> so like i would be here we'd be fine we'd be hanging out but if i left the room or something and when i came back he would like start barking again i'd be like what are you barking at like <laughs> so um we've been dealing with that we finally got to a space now where he like isn't barking but i think he's now attached so he doesn't like when i leave the room oh that's cute i guess it's fine we've been having a good time <laughs> <laughs> That's good. As long as y'all been able to kick it, you know, he don't bother you while you snack on their food. That's it's okay. Hello. <laughs> um, okay, let's go ahead and get started with the comics of the week. Up mm. first is Superman and the Authority by Grant Morrison with uh, art by Michael Janine and uh, colored by Jordi Belair. And uh, I will say that I've been really enjoying like this whole like mini series actually. Like. Mm -hmm. Who knew that I would be into like a Superman <laughs> comic, but here we are. You know, when I was reading this and specifically that scene with uh, Lois and Clark where she comes in and she like saves him or she like shoots ultra humanite and like they're having their banter moment. And like I sit there, it clicked for me. I was like, oh, I finally understand why people like Superman and Lois. I was like, they are like a really fun couple. And I really, because now that I've gotten more into Superman, I'm reading all these Superman books, I'm reading more of them together. And I was like, oh, they're kind of enjoyable. I think I get it. Lois is tough. I was right? like, this is cool. She's hot. She's a cool girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so this issue opens up, and we are seeing now that uh, the Ultra Human Knight was going to take over. Superman's brain and kind of put his own brain inside of it, which is a hilarious, like, you know, cliche, <laughs> very super villain kind of plot. Um, and I didn't know that Ultra Humanite was Superman's first villain because they mentioned that quite a few times in this book, but I didn't know that. 
uh, which I thought that was kind of interesting to kind of bring this all full circle with that because this is supposed to be like, you know, daddy Superman where he's older. So I thought that was interesting to bring back around. Superman ultimately gets out of it. And like you were saying, Lois is the one that fires off this gun and is helping uh, Superman defeat Ultra Humanite until he ultimately like rips his head off, which was uh, quite the moment. Quite <laughs> the moment. See. I was a little taken aback. I was like, oh, wow. I was like, did he just kill him? Yeah. And I was like, oh, I guess it's like, <laughs> he said it'll go it's, back. It's like a Solomon Grande buddy. So like yeah. he didn't feel it and it's whatever. <laughs> um, and then from there we get pretty much every, all of the other authorities fights that they've been going on all throughout War World. Uh, we get uh, Midnighter and um, I can't think of her name right now. Natasha. Yeah. The two of them uh, are with Manchester Black, who is now down, and they end up taking on Iron Cross, who is a indestructible white supremacist. And um, there is also this, like, I didn't know if she was, like, fog or if she was, like, technology, but she was mm. part of this, like, collective who still had to end up fighting, which I thought was really cool that they kind of gave her a villain who probably only she could really kind of take on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I thought all of the fights were really cool. The the art was really dope. I did think some of the dialogue and who they were fighting was, like, a little on the nose. <laughs> we get yeah. it. Um, but overall, like, I, I liked it. No, I agree. I really enjoyed this entire miniseries. I, again, had kept been championing Superman books for quite a few weeks now. And I'm excited. I think this is probably like one of the coolest teams in the DC universe right now. I love a lot of the people in it. I'm excited to see them like pop up over in action comics. I know there's been a lot of stuff going on with like the timeline. I really like this new kind of mantra that Superman has taken the more like we are defending the multiverse and like all the planets and like all the earths and like we're kind of going in and out of it. And I think that's going to also explain some of the timeline with them over in action comics. So I'm excited to see it all to come together. I'm excited to see this team continue on. I loved all the moon, uh, yeah, Midnighter and Steel stuff. Um, Enchantress is fun. I'm here. I'm here for this. Hollow had some hot moments in it. I thought were really uh, great. Did he? And yeah, he was out using his powers, making stuff shine. I thought it was great. Uh, maybe I have to reread it. I don't really remember him too much in this book. Well, you'll have to go back and make sure you pay attention to all the bright spots. But overall, I would give this book a. Honestly, I would give this issue like a four out of five. Then mm-hmm. for the entire uh, miniseries, also probably like a, a solid four out of five. Yeah, I'll agree. I think I think um, maybe like maybe like a three point eight four <laughs> <laughs> as like a whole. Um, I really enjoyed it. Again, I feel like a lot of it was really just like set up to put this team together and like send them off to go do what they do. Um, And now we'll see like how they really go. But I do think the moments of character that we got in between every now and then, again, like Clark and Lois stuff was really nice. I love some of the uh, Steel and Superman stuff that they had in the previous issue. Uh, Midnighter and Apollo, their little interactions. Enchantress was, like I said, very fun and like getting into her head and how that whole character works. I don't really care for uh, Manchester Black, I've come to realize. And the other two, Leah and the OMAC girl. Oh, yeah. Light Ray, you mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't really care for them either. But 
Yeah, I don't really care for Light Ray. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody else I'm here for, again, still very hopeful that uh, Mr. Miracle joins this team at some point in time. Mm. Cross your fingers. All right. Up next is Shang-Chi number five, and this is written by Jean Luen Yang with art by Doc Ryan, and the colors were by Triana Farrell. Um, first of all, I love that name. Triana? Do you love that name? That's pretty. I love it. Uh-huh. I, I don't know. Whatever. Uh, so I had like a revelation while I was reading this issue. And so in the beginning, I felt like I was having kind of a hard time connecting with it. And just like who Shang-Chi is, I was like, I felt like it was very different from a lot of the Shangs that I've read in previous runs and like comic books that he's appeared in. And so with this one, I think it finally clicked with me. It was like, oh, that's the point. And that whenever Shang-Chi has appeared before in books, it's always been very quick, one-off guest appearances. He comes in, he's this cool, calm, quiet martial arts dude who does like all these awesome fights. And then he leaves and we never see him again. And here in this book, we're actually getting a Shang-Chi who has a personality. And like we're seeing how oh, he okay. acts. So like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, you see him like laughing and you see him making jokes and you see him like interacting with his siblings. And at first it's kind of you're just like, oh wow, who is this guy? But then you realize, like, oh, this is who he is. And this is something we've never seen before. And it actually comes up sometimes in the story. You know, his sister will make comments about, like, why do you kind of change the way you act when the other superheroes come around? Like, you get very stoic. You start acting like a stereotypical, like, movie guy and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, this is, like, really interesting. So there's almost a lightness to this series that I think, like I said, kind of threw me off in the beginning. But now I realize, like, that's needed for Shang-Chi. How many comics characters have we had in their solo series that wasn't really anything, like, super... I guess, important in the long scheme of things, but it was just like something fun for them to have. It was just something to showcase like, oh, this is who this character is. They're fighting every villain of the week. We're just getting to know them and we're building them up. And that's kind of like what I feel like is in this book a little bit, but it does take it a step further because again, Shang is a character who we're first meeting. So it's like, this is all new and it's fun. But this issue, he fights Iron Man. Okay. Which is like- I mean, every issue has been him, like, going against somebody in the Marvel Universe, but this one, um, basically, Iron Man sent some people that worked for him to be fake agents to do deals with Shang-Chi and the people he works with, so, like, they were trying to steal a suit. Iron Man comes in, Shang-Chi fights him, um, he beats him back, which is, like, really fun to see, and then at the end of it, we see that Iron Man kind of goes to all the other heroes, and he's like, what we feared was right, Shang-Chi is, like, working on the wrong side, we need to take him down, and then we see, like, kind of all the villains who Shang has been fighting in the issues before, they've gathered together. And someone has, like, brought them all here. And they're like, yeah, now we're going to also take Shang-Chi down because they don't believe in his whole, the five-hand society, like, resurrecting and being a force for good like he's trying to do. They're like, no, you got to dip. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then his sister, his mutant sister, who we were introduced to who, a few issues ago, she's with the bad guys. Oh. She's gonna betray him. It's very sad. It's very <laughs> Is she sad. gonna be like the like the ringleader of the, all the bad guys? Did she join no. all the? So like the issue she appeared in at first, like at the end of it, some shadowy figure approaches her and he's like, "Ooh, Jailin, you know, some things never change." And so in this issue, when we see all of the bad guys together at the end, she walks through one of the doors with them. Mm. And so it's like, dang. But hopefully, if it's well, like a 
it could be like a fake out and she'll be like, oh, no, that's my brother. Double cross. Yeah. And so you also have Sean dealing with the return of his mother and like kind of getting into his feelings about that. And because, you know, he was never with her and he thought she was dead for all of these years. And so he's like trying to navigate that. Again, it's just like really interesting stuff that we've never seen Sean do before. And like this uh, book really feels like kind of the first stepping stone into building a strong foundation for him in the Marvel Universe. Next issue, he fights Thor. So we'll have to see how that goes. Oh, wow. Okay. He's going up against everybody. Yeah, he fought Captain America, um, Spider-Man a little bit, Iron Man, Wolverine, Fantastic Four, now Thor will be next. Oh, damn. What would you rate this book? I rated it a 3.5 out of 5. Um, the art's very good. It it moves. Um, the face acting's fantastic. Again, I'm really liking a lot of the stuff that Sean has going on with his family. I think I would like to see a little bit more depth into the family themselves, or at least like the organization and kind of what they're doing when Sean's not around, just to like feel more weight to the story. But other than that, it's a good time. You know what? Maybe more books need to start adopting uh, data pages. I would yeah. be I would not be opposed to those. I agree. Um, I would. All right. Up next is Immortal Hulk number fifty, and this was by Al Ewing with art by Joe Bennett and colors by Paul Amounts. And this was the final issue of Immortal Hulk. I never got a chance to jump in uh, while it was going <laughs> on, but all I've ever heard were the fantastic praises. So take it away, Keenan. You know, I won't. I won't stay too long on this issue because it'll it'll upset me and it's been 50 issues so it's like i don't even know how i can explain this finale without you know going back over 50 issues and telling you exactly what's been going on but i would just say every now and again there's a comic book run that you kind of read and it just like you know it's going to be something that you're going to take with you forever. This is absolutely going to be one of those runs for me. I talk about uh, George Perez and uh, Marv Wolfman's Teen Titans all the time, the Judas Contract all the time. Like, I'm going to talk about Immortal Hulk all the time. Mm. Wow. Yeah, and it's like, I think when you think of the Hulk and stories that he's had, so so much of it has been about, like, anger. And, like, he is this mad guy. He's trashing everything he's doing all this stuff he's just going through the world and he's just mad it's just like anger 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 and immortal hulk is one of the first stories to ask well that i've read with him anyway is to be like well why is he angry (laughs) like (laughs) like what's the problem and you know over the last 50 issues that is what we have unpacked like not only who is the hulk and like what he does but like who is bruce banner and like where does all this anger come from and like how do we get to there's actually this one page in the book where they're kind of like meet somebody and like he's asking he's like why is hulk sad why is hulk mad why is the hulk here like what is he doing um and there's also like a layer of forgiveness and like just forgiving past traumas and like bad things that have happened to you there's this reporter who has been kind of going on this journey with hulk the entire time and she was actually one of the people when she was a child her house was like devastated by the hoax damage and like her and her dad lost their house and they lost all these pictures and belongings of their uh, her mom who had passed away a little bit before so she had also been carrying around all this anger and like she was kind of dealing with that with the hulk and like seeing him in this new light um and just the spinoff stories that we had gamma flight 
number five also came out this week. It was the final issue of that miniseries, and it was it, that was fine as well. But again, it's just something to really kind of like expand that universe and like when the story eventually gets adapted in some form or fashion, whether it be live action, animation, TV, whatever. Uh, I fully expect this story to now become one of those staples that we always see the Hulk have. Like, like a mortal Hulk will always be like a cemented thing for him now. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Just a phenomenal series throughout. Lots of themes, lots of great writing, lots of heartfelt moments. Um, there were some bits here and there, especially in towards the end where it gets a little like they're basically like facing off against this villain who's like he's giving the speech like i am fear i am all powerful and all this stuff and like hulk even says it. he's like yeah i don't care about that he's like i've met every bad guy who's done this big speech about how they do this and that he's just like i want to know why you're doing this (laughs) (laughs) and then like as the villain explains why it kind of gives you like a lot of just like very vague over the topness and you kind of left like feeling like okay you're not really going to give me the answer that i want so it's like whatever but it's like at the same time hulk kind of walks away with this sense of knowing that like you're not always going to get the answer that you want or you're not always going to find out the reason for something but it's like now what are you going to do like you just got to take that and you got to move forward and you got to keep going. And I was like, "Damn, this is good." Um, <laughs> but now, did you feel like it was like a proper ending, or did you feel like you know Ewing may have been rushed out the door, or no? Uh, I, I feel like I feel like the landing was stuck. I feel like um, Bruce Banner. So Bruce Banner has kind of been like gone for a lot of this run. He was uh, his like body has been so has been kidnapped and was in this like hell basically that's where they've been going in and out of this green door and you know eventually he comes back and he comes back and he talks about like because of all the stuff that hulk has gone through and all the things that's been happening in that book he feels a little bit more at peace and he feels like more confident and more self-assured of himself um and so now he just like leaves out he's like, all right, this now what am I doing next? And then we're going to lead into the next book, which is going to be Don Cates and um, Ryan Otley on a new Hulk series. Okay. Are you going to continue and keep going with the Hulk and see what's going on there? Or you may jump off the, the ship? I am officially done with Hulk. Okay, you've had enough. <laughs> I'm good. You know, I and you know, and it's like no disrespect to the next creative team. Like I'm pretty sure they're truly going to do some good work with it. But I've read a couple of interviews about like what they want to do. Um, I think the art looks really good. But like it says, they want to kind of get back to like, you know, a quote unquote fun Hulk book. He's running around. He's yeah. smashing stuff. He's fighting people. I'm pretty sure we'll have some more of that confidence and like some of the things that we just had in this takeaway. But it's not going to be as heavy as Immortal Hulk has been because Immortal Hulk has been heavy. Okay. Well, yeah, I've seen that it was dealing with, like, you know, the one above and, like, death and what that means in resurrection and stuff, so. Yeah, it's been heavy. The next run, I don't think it's going to be heavy, which is, like, fine. Like, I think comic book characters should be able to, like, move back and forth between heavy, fun, here's something just, like, light, let them do this for a little time, and then you can take them through the ring and drag them to the mud again. Sure, I agree. Um, what would you rate this issue in the series? Oh, series is a five out of five for sure. Um, issue also is probably a five out of five. Um, yeah, it's great. If you have Marvel Unlimited, um, it is now up to issue 47. Oh, there. wow. Okay. Yeah. 
so you can like clock in there you know and there you if you have comiXology you can also go on there the first i want to say like six or seven trades are available to be borrowed from their library so you don't even have to buy it you can just like borrow it read it give oh it back. wow um i didn't even know comiXology had a library like that that's dope yeah it's really nice so um check it out you know if you've got some time if you if you ever find yourself on a light pool week or anything like that, or you just kind of want to finally sit down and get into it. There are a couple of ways to do it. Highly All recommend. Right, Check that out. All right, our final book of the week is X-Men number four, and that was written by Jerry Duggan with art by Javier Pino and um, the colors by Eric Arseniega. And um, I enjoyed this issue. You know, a one and done, um, probably Halloween kind of special issue. This issue is about the villain Nightmare, who some people may know as more of a Doctor Strange villain, um, or sometimes a general overall, like kind of Marvel villain. He can he's like the ruler of the the nightmare dimension or like the dream dimension or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it is about how he is attacking the X-Men and Gene pretty much protects the team from him. And um I liked what Dugan did here with Jean as far as really showing that she is very sanctimonious. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, still there's like a bite behind that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so like there needs to be a balance of the two of those. So I, I liked what was done here. Um, the art was, was nice. I thought this was a really solid issue. Jean focused um, and still good. Um. Yeah, I agree. I think Javier Pino's like art was a really nice fill-in. Uh, obviously, you know, <laughs> Rise is amazing, but I think Pino right. like really like set the bar and stayed with it. And his nightmare was good. I thought the colors were really nice. I agree. Jane was a little sanctimonious and self-righteous. I think it's a like interesting dichotomy of the character though, how she sits around mm-hmm. and like preaches peace and she's so kind and this and that, but she's also like slapping you in the face at the same time. Um, That's Jean. And people think she didn't kill that little girl, which is like, what? <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> it was it was interesting, I thought, also about, like, the whole bit about her costume and, like, the Marvel Girl stuff. And, you know, um, if this is really, like, who Jean is and it's, like, if she's not Marvel Girl, then, like, who is she? Who is Jean Grey? And, like, when do you kind of start to accept that and be that person and, like, be okay with it? Um, mm-hmm. So it was nice for her. I've, I like that that was kind of, like, something that all Jean is... It's, I don't know if it's necessarily part of her character or part of her story, but it's, like, you know, who is Jean Grey? Are yeah. you this and person that you something... kind of made Marvel Girl? Or... I think that's something that we've, like, talked about, you know, offline, and I've mentioned it before, and it's like... <laughs> And I'm going to say it now. It's like, you know, I know a lot of people like Jean as the Phoenix. But especially now when you think about the Phoenix and, like, how it's kind of gone to all these other Marvel characters and it's become a little bit broader than whatever the concept of it is, it's like, what is Jean's identity? Who is Jean Grey outside of the Phoenix? You know? And it's Mm. like, how do you keep her in a space that is still, like, this strong, powerful woman without reverting her to, like, having to be the Phoenix or having to be this cosmic destroyer of rebirth and all this other stuff so i thought her little speech about joining the x-men was really nice and poignant to that fact because it's like okay it was like well this is how you have to do it this is how you have to be it but you know if the phoenix is not an option 
you're Marvel Girl now. And it's like, well, if you've actually grown out of Marvel Girl, then you're just Jean Grey. And it's like, what's Jean Grey going to do? Is Jean Grey still going to follow around her husband? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) I I assume so. But I agree with you. I think that, like... um, everything you kind of said was really hit the head, like with, with Jean and how she is as a character, you know, she has a little bit of both, but it's like, if you don't have the Phoenix there, which I've always said, I've preferred Jean without the Phoenix. Um, My favorite Jean is like the telekinetic Jean, but um, without the Phoenix force as an option for her, what does that leave for her? And I'm sure Marvel girl feels like a safety net because it's like, yeah. That's who she was when she graduated. That's who she got to kind of claim for herself. Yeah. Um, and that's who she can kind of go back to. She did that when she um, was on the moon and about to die during the uh, Dark Phoenix saga. She mm-hmm. put her Marvel Girl costume back on, probably just because it feels kind of safe or like a kind of safety net. But I think now it might be time to move forward <laughs> into something else. Um, Do you think she's actually going to get a new costume? Because I don't know if you noticed, but like in that little scene where she was like uh, standing up to Nightmare and she's like, you know, you don't scare me. I'm stronger than you. And they had that circle of like jeans around him. And she was in all these different costumes. One of them was like a costume that I'd never seen before. I'm not a huge jean like looker, but I've seen a couple of outfits and that's one I hadn't seen. I couldn't tell if that was like a A coloring jean fill in. At first, I thought it was a coloring error because um, maybe there was just, I don't know, something was off. But then her Marvel Girl costume was amongst the other ones. Um, Mm -hmm. So that kind of changed my mind. And then I thought, well, it couldn't have been a new costume because if there was, if I were an artist, I would not premiere a new costume this way. (laughs) I would. (laughs) So it probably just made me feel like that was just a stand-in for whatever jeans, like, you know astral form or whatever during that circle but i do think I mean, she's I, gonna get into a costume i like the marvel girl skirt i'm sorry i think it's very retro it's very groovy i'm into it <laughs> if she didn't have it's always the mask i, I don't like mind the, the mask skirt too it's fun it was a little like not as horned or whatever it would it would work better for me um but overall i should well i mean that's true she don't need to be flying around anyway so um, I would overall give this issue a, uh, a 3.5 out of 5. I was intrigued by the ending with the uh, Dr. Stasis stuff where he's getting like bombarded by these uh, 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 ruby quartz crystals. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, like trying to obviously become something else. You know, I love a mad scientist, so... Uh, it'll true. be interesting to see whatever he's trying to kind of like become. Yeah. And but the X-Men can kind of fight afterwards. So yeah, I give this issue like a 3.5. What would you rate it? Um, I'd give it a three. I think it was probably the weakest issue that we've had so far. But again, I don't think it was anything that was supposed to be like move the needle. It was just a fun little seasonal romp for October. We get Nightmare. Um, Jean also, Jean like sent Nightmare off into the wild and like she wasn't going to tell anybody. Well, she was gonna like call up the <laughs> Avengers or something and be like, "Oh, hey, just to let you guys know, Nightmare is like running the streets. I just sent him out away because he was trying to take over this town, but I sent him going on his horse, and I just told him not to come back here. 
but he's still out there. But whatever. Um, I also really did Isn't like that. Like Doctor Strange's job. Well, he's dead. Right, right, right. She could have called uh-huh. magic. Well. Then again, it's magic. Don't do but, that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I wouldn't have called her either. Um, but uh, I also really like the stuff with Wolverine and Sync, that little bit that we had. So I'm kind of excited for Wolverine's next issue now, just to be like, oh, she wants her memories back, but she doesn't want to get them from Sync because it's like, it wouldn't be real love and all that. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm interested to see whatever they're going to do with this entire team and how they're building up together. So um, we'll see. All right. Well, that is the comics of the week. Let's go ahead and take a break and then we'll come right back. Betsy and Emma. <clears throat> I mean, they've gotten along before. But do you think they get along now? Captain Britain and um, Emma. Um, yeah. Or would that be a lot I mean, of flexing? I feel like two? it's, I feel like with Betsy, she doesn't really care about Emma that much. She's like, if she's around, cool. I'm going to be nice to the girl, but she's fine either way. I think I think she finds I, I think, think she finds her f- funny sometimes. Yeah, I think she's like, oh, she's funny sometimes, but like I'm not calling her to be like, let's go out for lunch. Mm. But yeah, that's just my interpretation. I don't know. But hello everyone. Welcome back to another panel. And so, well, this week, I guess it's like a panel discussion type of situation we're going. Um, everyone knows this past weekend we had the annual D- – well, I don't Is it annual now? It's annual now, I guess. It's annual now. The um, DC Fandom event, which is their live streaming virtual con where they, like, release a lot of information pertaining to their movies, comic books, video games, everything happening in the DC universe and Warner Brothers media universe. And so we just want to talk a little bit about that and, like, get into it now before we even start, like, with the content and things that they have to release. that I want to say I have actually always been – a big fan of the DC fandom like event. I think it's pretty well run. I think it's an interesting way to like get past that con aspect. I love the way that they're able to bring in hosts and stuff from all over the world, get a global viewing of it and like just kind of introduce everything and everyone and involve everyone. DC, if you're listening, hit us up. We are available. Okay. We are ready. Um <laughs> I will say though that this fandom I felt like showed a big fault in kind of DC and Warner's going showings as a whole is that there wasn't really too much to talk about no there was not (laughs) (laughs) and but it's like but it's like honestly i don't blame them i blame like kind of how the business has been run for them there has been so many things that have been announced over the years and they've talked about and they said oh we're releasing this we're coming out with this we're doing this show we're doing this movie and then it gets scrapped at the last minute, but it's like fandom is still coming around. So it was like, you got to give us something. And so for this, instead of feeling like we were getting like actual content or like, I feel like this is the year we should have been getting visuals and things of the stuff that was announced last year. However, a lot of that stuff was scrapped 
or it was like put on pause <laughs> for whatever reason. And then like COVID happened, of course, too. So that pushed some things back. And so now this year we get to the fan dome and it's like as we start going through all of the different heroes, it didn't really feel like we had anything to show. It was just more so everybody saying we're excited to start working. Or like we can't wait to show you what's going to come next. Yeah, exactly. And it's just kind of like that was great, but you still could have waited a little bit. Or like <laughs> giving us, and I were <laughs> some that were a little unacceptable. I so we'll start. We'll go ahead and get to a couple of them now. Black Adam. We saw a yes. little bit of a teaser trailer for that. We saw a nice little feature that had some behind the scenes stuff. We saw the uh, Condor stuff. We saw like the Hawkman harness. We saw some people who were going to be in the movie, and then they showed us like a quick little teaser of them pretty much summoning uh, Black Adam, and then he like electrocutes somebody to death, and it goes off. That to me was unacceptable. We should have had a trailer for that movie. Most definitely. They've been, they cast him as Black Adam like, like 15 years ago. <laughs> I feel like he's been talking about this for a really long time. And uh, I know that they just only recently were getting into the filming and all that kind of stuff. But I was expecting there to be, for me, that's what I mean. I expected us to have a little bit more of a trailer then, at least a teaser. Production wrapped on Black Adam, for those who don't know, in July of this year. And then the movie is coming out July of 2022. Um, and it's like, again, it's like, and this is fandom, and it's like, DC, I don't know if they're still saving stuff for Comic-Cons, but it's like, if this is going to be your thing, this big thing that you, like, kind of use as your platform to reveal stuff, then it's like, reveal some good stuff. Like, there's no reason to me why we did not see Aldous Hodge in his Hawkman suit. At all. Like a concept art or something, or it or Cyclone or or in theirs and Adam Smasher, we saw them like introduce themselves and maybe their logos or whatever. But like, I don't know. I was expecting just a little bit more. I did think that the Doctor Fate helmet looked cool. That, it did. I will say that. I think Pierce Brosnan is going to be a really good Doctor Fate. I'm excited about that one. Um, yeah. I, but all in all, I think I'm still excited for Shazam. I mean, not Shazam, Black Adam. Like, The Rock seems really excited about it. I think it's going to be a fun movie. I, again, I'm just really excited to see Aldous Hodge as Hawkman. For those who don't know, I'm a huge Hawkman fan, so it's like, let's get that movement, let's get that synergy popping, let's get a new book going on, let's get all of that mm -hmm. in there. Um, but, you know, then The Flash, we also had a bit about that. And, <laughs> you know, hmm. I'm not going to lie. I'm not really excited for The Flash. I'm Me neither. Or I'm not a huge Flash fan. I don't like, and I also don't think I like Ezra Miller as who's he Barry or Wally? He's Barry. He's Barry. That Ezra Miller as Flash is probably one of the biggest like miscastings in comic book movie history. Well, how you cast somebody? How you cast somebody to be the Flash that can't run? <laughs> you always say he can't run. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. How do you cast somebody to be the Flash that he can't run? Um, I don't, I don't get it. Um, and then this movie looks like it's just going to be. They always showed like two hymns. You want me to watch a movie with two, <laughs> two Ezra two Millers? Him. And then the Supergirl. And then Supergirl had her little like cameo in that clip as well. And this is another thing. So like you are bringing us all of these people who don't really have too much to talk about because their projects have not started yet. You couldn't even bring Supergirl to talk about, like, being excited about being in the movies and being in this Flash film? 
You had a whole Superman section, and the Superman section was kind of bare bones. Yes, there was, like, was. some CW talk. We did celebrate 20 years of Smallville. Shout out to them, because that was iconic. Um, but it was like, you have casted a brand new Supergirl. You don't bring her to talk about anything. You had the girl who's going to be like, bad girl. Well, shout out to her, too. She's a pretty girl, and she seems like she seems like she's a fan. She had, like, a Batgirl statue in her background, so, like, that was kind of cute. She was excited, and she um, was, you know, am I the, do I have to dye my hair red because, I, like, I'm ready to do all of this? I thought she was excited about it. Yeah. Now, will it actually come out? I don't know. Stop it. I think it will. <clears throat> what I happened mean, to that Zatanna movie you were going to do? I think that's still slated. That was announced at the last fandom. Well, there I was don't... a Nightwing movie that was also supposed to come. You know, that's true. We did get Peacemaker though. <laughs> it's just what? like what? How did we, how did Peacemaker get made before all of this other stuff? Because, I mean, it's just a bunch of, like, reactionary kind of things where there's not really a plan. It's just, just try this, and if it's successful, it gets a spinoff. That's crazy to me. That is crazy. Peacemaker is not that girl. That movie wasn't even About to be. (laughs) Nope. But they gave us a whole, like, teaser trailer for his show. Like, he got an entire teaser. We saw, like, 10 seconds of Black Adam, but we got an entire teaser trailer for Peacemaker. And, like, an interview with the cast. (laughs) He had a whole section. Like, a whole section. That is crazy to me. That's crazy to me. However... I think they also showed art for his, like, solo comic, too. It was a lot lot going on for Peacemaker. I did not understand that at all. (laughs) 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 Um, But, I mean, despite some of those things, there were also some very, like, nice highlights, I felt like. Of course, we saw some Aquaman footage in that little behind-the-scenes featurette, and we saw everybody getting to work. We saw Yaya, Patrick, Amber, and they were, like, moving stuff, doing their action sequences. They look good. That Black Um, Panther costume, like, I'm a Black Panther. That Black Manta costume looks fantastic. It looks good. Like, I'm excited. You know, everybody knows. Aquaman fan, staying all day long. I love Black Manta just as much, and I will always say that he is just as important to, like, Aquaman as Aquaman is to his own title. Like, I don't think there's ever going to really be a run of Aquaman where you don't see Black Manta in some form or fashion. And their rivalry is amazing. It's truly just, like, an on-site thing. It's like, I just don't like you. <laughs> it's just like, I just don't like you. And it's just like, I'm never not going to okay. be. And like, it's just every time we see each other, we go at it, they go their separate ways. Um, they might like do some other stuff every now and again, but it's like, not. Nah. And then, especially once you add in the counter, Jackson High aspect, it's like, oh, and you like mentor my son? It's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> So, and then shout out to him because he had it, which is another thing. They gave um, Aqualad a hashtag before, like the week, like this past week leading up to Fandom, Aqualad hashtag was revealed that had like the symbol of the movie. So I'm thinking like, oh, we're going to see like a casting or something. People weren't sure. They were like trying to uh, argue if it was going to be Garth or if it was going to be Jackson. But it's like, we know it's not going to be Garth. Okay. Like... (laughs) Let's just let that go. But they didn't even show nothing with that. I was like, what's up with that? 
maybe that was was that for the movie or was it for just like his I don't know was did he have an anniversary or something this year too? No, like so when you type the hashtag in, um, the symbol that comes up is the A that they use for the movies for Aquaman. Got so like oh, so his thinking. so his A. Okay. Yeah, so everybody was like thinking it's going to be for the movie, but we didn't see anything. But nonetheless, the, I mean, the featurette was still nice. Seeing the behind the scenes stuff was nice. Um, some of the stuff that James Wan said about this movie being like a little bit more mature, but still trying to kind of have like some of that fun aspect to it was really good to see. I'm excited. Hopefully, they worked out some of the script issues from the first one. Jason maybe got some acting lessons. Amber maybe got some acting <laughs> lessons. Um, Yada's fine. He's he's an academy. He, he's a winner. Mm-hmm. Um, a man. Patrick Wilson is going to be great as Ocean Master. He should have been Arthur. But whatever. Um, yeah. Jackson <laughs> saw some of the stuff. Oh my gosh, the little um animated series is also on HBO Max now, if you guys want to get into that. It's kind of like a little fun thing. Use that, uh, what's that art style? Like Steven Universe? It's kind of Steven Universe. It's kind of uh, Flapjack. Um, yeah. It reminds me a lot of Flapjack. A lot of people don't like that style. I think it's fine. I think it's fine for what it is, which is just like goofy, you know. Exactly. Um, another exciting thing that I thought, even though we didn't get like too much of it from like the <laughs> aspect side, was they introduced the guy who's going to be playing Blue Beetle, and they talked. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. He seemed so excited. Very excited, and like the concept art they showed of his costume looked really good as well. Uh, and we've talked about Blue Beetle before here on the show. It's like how I think Blue Beetle could be like the fifth pillar of DC if they really wanted to push him mm-hmm. and make him something big because his popularity is huge. And I don't think a lot yeah. of people realize how he big could, his popularity is. He could be as big as like a Ms. Marvel or anything like that if they were actually put some stuff behind him. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So shout out to Blue Beetle. Shout out to the Blue Beetle fans. I don't know if I'm a Blue yeah. Beetle fan. But I'm I like, think it's cool. I'm a casual admirer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and for the movie front, the big thing that happened this week, mm. the one, the only, we saw the Batman trailer. We did. Now, that we did. Be honest. How did you feel about it? You know, I liked the trailer. I thought it was a very well done. It looks like a well done movie. But I will say that I'm only really interested in Selena, as Zoe Kravitz as uh, okay. Selena Kyle. She is. Let me she say, stepped let me out of that. The boot. The boot the out boot. the car. <laughs> the boot out the car. It was a wrap. The, I was like, I'm going to see it. It doesn't even matter. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that was a shot. She looks good. Yeah. She's like, and so you know, uh, also watching the trailer, it made me realize how much of a Selena Kyle fan I actually am. Like, I've always felt like she was kind of cool when I've read her, but, like, between the Rain V series now and just, like, a lot of things, I'm like, oh, I think I think Selena's my girl. And Backhead is hot. I'm sorry. I used to read a lot of Selena when I was younger, and, like, I've always just appreciated her stance and where she came mm-hmm. from. Like, her being, you know, a girl for literally from the streets and her wanting to really, like, protect people of those demographics and, like, yeah. and, like actually being from there. I always appreciated yeah. that from her. Um, but I don't know. This movie, though, I will say, I think I have Batman fatigue, but not like Bat family fatigue. I think I'm just really over a Bruce. Batman story about Bruce and his, Bruce Wayne and his origins and being Batman. 
Yeah. You know, like how many times are we really going to get that? I can agree with that a lot. I will say I really did like (laughs) and I enjoyed a lot of things about it. I think, I don't know if this might sound weird, but it didn't really feel like a Batman movie to me, even though I know it is. Mm. Um, and I, but I also think maybe that's a little bit intentional. When I was watching Fandome and Matt Reeves was talking about the movie, he said this was kind of supposed to be a Bruce Wayne who is not really in that origin phase. He's not at the beginning of it, but he's also not like the old grizzled veteran that we've seen. He's somewhere in the middle, like kind of early on the path. And I was like, I guess that's also. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know if I would say year one. I'd say maybe like a year three. You know, mm-hmm. like st- still kind of learning the ropes, but like knows enough to get by, but still hasn't gained all the knowledge. So he's still like making some mistakes every now and again. Um, and I guess that like for me, that's not really a Bruce Wayne that we see a lot. So I was like, yeah, maybe that's why it is. Um, I did like the action bits that we did see. Um I feel like uh, Robert Pattinson did a little bit of the 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 gravelly voice in a part of the trailer. A little bit, yeah. And I yeah. was like, "Don't do that." So, <laughs> 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 but um, all in all, I don't know. I think I'm excited. Like, I'm really going for Selena Kyle. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, yes, she's she is the reason why I will be purchasing my ticket because she's a high. and she came out with with that pixie cut too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The, yes. She went from the she went from the business Bob to the pixie the... cut. <laughs> she's coming. Hello. She's coming. She's yeah. in there. I love it. Um, but you know, one of the other things that I really loved about Fandom is that despite just doing a lot of like their movies and stuff like that, they also still managed to mix in comics and gaming, which is like mm-hmm. fantastic. And I I really love how they do it because it never really feels out of place in those series. It's like, you know, one minute we're talking about Peacemaker, but then the next they're talking about like the Monkey Prince comic book that they have coming out next year. And it's just like, oh, okay, that's cool. Because it's like, it's still all, you know, comics at the end of the day. Exactly. I appreciated all the, um, the those kind of news flashes too that were going on, that were being done by um, Candace Patton. I think that's her, yeah. name. I think that's her name. Um, and because she's Iris West and like she has, speaks like a reporter, I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. she would give these comic book updates and stuff. That was that was dope. That was. And speaking of big updates, um, Milestone. Like shout, shout out to Milestone. Shout out to them. <laughs> what you know? So for those who don't know, um, Milestone announced a couple of things at Fandom this year. One of the things they talked about was they have two scripts for films done. One is a lot or like in the works. One is a live action static shock film that's going to be produced by Michael B. Jordan. They seem really determined that that's going to happen. So it's like, it sounds like it's going through. Um, And the other one is an animated milestone film that's going to be written by Brandon Thomas. Yeah, so they talked about how they had already like hired him to write the the script for that and that they were in the works of uh, probably building the animation team for it. So I think out of all of their announcements, that is the one that I'm super excited for the most because, you know, I love animation. Static is <laughs> one of my that favorite characters be. ever. Static and Rocket are both uh, one of my favorite characters. So, and it's going to be all the milestone characters. So I'm excited for this for sure. And it's Brandon Thomas. And like, again, again, I feel like if you've been listening, you should know Brandon Thomas's name by now. He wrote Future State Aquaman. He's writing Aquaman at the beginning. He wrote, um, mm-hmm. like, he wrote Hardware Season 1, I believe. Um, so it's like, 
he's ready. I'm here for it. I think it's going to be good. And I think, again, DC Animation has always kind of been, like, the high point for their company. Truly. Superior. Yeah. Not not as much lately, but, like, usually. And I'm excited to see them, like, kind of give that to the milestone folks and, like, give that push a little bit more. I also really enjoyed the announcement that they made about the new program that they're going to be doing with allies to like bring in diverse writers and like kind of help black folks and things like that get into the comic book industry and like how to navigate that. That's something that we've always been really Mm -hmm. big on and just like giving people that chance and like finding new talent. So it's like, yes, do that. Yes. I love love the idea of a milestone kind of like passing the torch because they really Mm -hmm. were like the first ones to really do a lot of that stuff in the industry back in like the 90s and stuff. And I think it's dope for them to really kind of use their connections to uplift other black creators. Always, always. And speaking of like passing the torch and everything, speaking in in the comic world, they announced a new Wonder Woman event for 2022. It's Mm going to be like a massive Wonder Woman event that like crosses over all her books called Trial of the Amazons. They released this beautiful promo piece uh, drawn by Jen Bartel and it had Diana, Hippolyta, Yara Floor, Nubia and Artemis on it, which shout out to Nubia because the rise she's had a rise, you know. The rise. I enjoyed her stuff back when happening in Future State. I didn't mm-hmm. think that they were going to like really push her like this. Queen of the Amazons. About to get her Truly. own book. This is like the, I guess they said some of the like stuff that's starting for Trial of the Amazons like starts in her book. And I will be very honest. I was one of the people who I never really thought DC was going to give Nubia the chance. I felt like she was just like too obscure. It was very culty. Like we hadn't really seen too much of her past the issues in the 60s, uh, 60s that came out, like maybe once or twice here in the 90s. But how they really like repositioned her and made her fit and are making her fit and then like making her like something important, which quiet as is kept, that's why this trial of the Amazons event is happening. It's Yara and Nubia. <laughs> because <laughs> we saw the last event they tried to give Diana, War of the Amazons. And then Exactly. I didn't even I didn't even know that happened. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, so it's like shout out like they're really trying to expand this part of her corner, which is something that Wonder Woman fans have been asking for for a very long time. Diana, like the Amazon nation is vast and we have never really seen too much of that past her. And even when she's there, she's like not really interacting with too many people or she's like leaving to go to man's world. And so now you have these characters who are firmly planted in that and are expanding it and giving it what it needs and the fleshing out that it needs. And they're all interesting characters so far. This this trial of the Amazons thing might be the thing that brings me back on into the Wonder Corner. You know, um, mm-hmm. I dipped <laughs> after I realized that I really just only liked watching Diana do her thing. But yeah. if they're finally starting to like take some care with some of these characters and stuff and really flesh them out and stuff, yeah. I would really into it. Nubia is great. Yara. Yeah. I would actually even really appreciate if they even brought like Donna and. Like Cassie and stuff back in the Or Donna like, and Cassie. Like, they weren't even on the image. Yeah. But they were they yeah. were they've been on like previous images. So I feel like DC hasn't forgotten about them completely. Just <laughs> <they're> little, <laughs> again, Donna and Cassie are like they're Titans. And so many of the Titans, I think we've mm-hmm. talked about this before, you know, are in like a very weird in-between phase in DC, like constantly. 
you never really like push them to the main mantle, but you also can't keep them regulated to that sidekick role. So they just kind of like mm-hmm. stay here, either getting passed over or like seen every now and again. And look at Garth. Perfect example. Garth, Bumblebee, um, Starfire, Wally. all of those, Wally, all those like Titans era characters or yeah. they just never get the like the just deserve that they really do. And kind of like you said, because they can't like make them rise into that next mantle, but they can't keep them kids anymore. But I've always thought that like that just shows you that they have their own lane, though. So like give them that, <laughs> you yeah. know, they should just have their own thing. I would rather much rather watch these young adults or like you know their 20 mid 20s to 30s or whatever yeah. kind of age characters instead of just shelving them and just bringing in new kids to watch i think a good thing for them to do would be to rebrand the titans as a whole i think the titans kind of has to start being looked at as a superhero group not equal to the justice league but like right there underneath and then mm-hmm. you can transition Young Justice to be the super, uh, the sidekick team. Like, that's where the young kids go. But then I think you should be able to graduate. And then your graduation is, like, if you're not going to be a solo hero. But it's like, in case you don't want to join the Justice League or you don't feel like you're, that's not your groove, it's like, you can go to the Titans. Like, that's the other yeah. big superhero team. I agree. But, and they um, all kind of like work together and they like it's not that they distrust the Justice League, it's just they do their own thing. Exactly. But I don't know, that would require DC to like care about the Titans again. So and it's too much like right. <laughs> 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 um, but you know, and and the last aspect of the thing that DC fandom kind of goes around is their video games. And so I will admit they didn't have too many video games. I was expecting an Injustice 3 leak, I'm not gonna lie. Um, not a leak, but like just a reveal, like a few cast members, maybe like an announcement date. We didn't get that. They did talk about the Injustice movie, which, are you going to watch that? I don't know. I don't really like the animation for it. Same. Same. It was odd. I wasn't feeling it. I also feel like as popular as Young Injustice has become, and like it spawned off into the comic book and like this movie and all this stuff like that, I just kind of feel like I don't need that. Like, I feel like it's something that should have stayed regulated to the game. Mm-hmm. I, I don't need another Like, movie. And it makes it makes sense in a video game because you're fighting each other and that's the point. But, like, I don't really need more evil Superman. <sighs> so tired of evil Superman. Especially now when you read things like action comics and Superman the Authority and, like, Son of Kala, Super, Son of Superman and stuff like that. Like, Superman's so good. I never thought exactly. I was- that's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. We're in a new age. Okay. Um, but, you know, and one I did, thing... I see with the video game announcement, though, I did kind of think it showed a little bit of what DC would was kind of lacking, what, like we were talking about earlier, since yeah. the, we didn't see too much gameplay with a lot of the games that they announced, like the Gotham Knights. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't and, uh, too much gameplay. We got the story trailer, but no the gameplay. Story tra- I will say that story trailer was hot. Like, it was hot, yes. I do like the Court of Owls. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm definitely playing Gotham Knights. I'm still not sold on the other game. The um, Suicide Squad kills the Justice League. That's yeah. one I feel like we should have got some gameplay for. Exactly. Another one that we just got more story trailer for. Shout out yeah. to them using John Stewart for the Green Lantern section. I appreciate that. But like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But 
we'll see. Hopefully, if Fandom happens again, which I again I hope it does. I just hope that in the next one that we have, everything once again has not gotten scrapped. And I hope that like again, if DC is going to utilize this as their very important like reveal big event then treat it as such and like give us some things to actually like talk about and see it was fun it was cute let's ramp it up a little bit next year i agree i appreciate the schedule that they kept to it i did think that they would have should have been more accessible compared to last year last year i remember like knowing exactly what time things were going to happen so i didn't feel like i need to sit and watch it but um it went well i just need more content just a little bit but that was dc fandom you guys please write in tell us what were your favorite parts what you thought of the batman trailers what you would have liked to see some things you'd like to see if you're excited for like the wonder woman event that's going to happen because okay definitely Um, and if you caught the new green lantern animated movie they like secretly announced that it was green lantern beware of my power that's coming out next year so they they (laughs) i'm excited for that of those like five animated movies too i think and that was one of them um which again yeah. like you could at least give us some cover art for those something <laughs> <laughs> next year we got them next year we'll, we'll send them a note so they know while we're hosting we'll make sure okay that's it <laughs> all right let's go ahead and take a break and then we'll come back Child, things will get brighter. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the Tupac uh, song. You are. <laughs> <laughs> Though, um, <laughs> everything does not get brighter, as we will see in this story that we are reading. And welcome back. And this is our another reread section. And this week, we were doing the first half of Inferno. Yes, yes. Um, this is was really, really, really fun to get right back into because I haven't read Inferno in a while, but like it was one of the first books I ever read as a kid, actually. Um, and there were a lot of moments in this like reread that like woke up some memories for me (laughs) because, um, like I said, I got my start with in comics with the X Men and stuff and just whatever kind of books my dad was giving me, and after phoenix saga like the first yeah i think he gave me was this essential thing and it had infernal in it and Mm -hmm. uh i remember like being legitimately scared when the demons and stuff started to take over Inferno. i was like maybe i was maybe eight (laughs) and (laughs) it was something it was something about the there was a scene where this family goes into a elevator and the elevator changes into something and it eats them and like Mm -hmm. their blood started to come out of the elevator something about that as a kid like freaked me out but i was also yeah. like terrified of it at the time it was it was bad that. i mean elevators can be scary so adding a <laughs> into the mix it's like it only adds to that um how did you feel kind of going back into this about maddie do you still feel the same miss mm-hmm. <laughs> maddie so um before we before we get into her, I will say that like 
the X Factor portion of all of this um, mm-hmm. was just as interesting going back as the Madeline stuff um, mm-hmm. because I would say more of like un- in the Uncanny books, you got way more the Madeline, the mm-hmm. Infernal type of stuff, whereas in the X Factor tie-ins, you dealt with like the O5 and how they were kind of dealing with the Infernal stuff. And um, I forgot how much like Angel's story was in it. I know that was really disappointing. (laughs) I just forgot how much he was in it. And I forgot he went through like a whole suicide bout after his wings were taken from him and everything. Um, I forgot just how much he was involved in that. And the whole kind of like candy woman we love who she got killed. Yeah. But Madeline, it didn't really change how I feel. She's still very much like Mm -hmm. a clone of Jean. (laughs) you know um and i will say that i did start to stand for her a little bit in some moments because um when i first read this as a kid it i guess it didn't register to me that that she was getting with cyclops brother at the time like i don't know i guess i didn't i didn't put two and two together as a kid but like going back now it's like oh i might have to <laughs> she was messy she, she pulled girl. she pulled that out she pulled that out i will say you know i've kind of gone over a little bit of uh i guess i've come have had a come to, come to jesus moment when it comes to maddie and realizing that i didn't really like care for her as much as i thought i did i think once you kind of start getting to the history of the character it gets a little convoluted it gets a little messy you start getting all these alternate reality versions and things like that going back to inferno especially this first half i will say that this reminded me of why i do like maddie and, like, <laughs> <laughs> and how they were at some point trying to really like f- f- flesh her out into her own character and do this thing and you know it's always interesting how uh claremont and a lot of the writers who were a part of this event always say that they kind of feel bad about how they did maddie and like just did the whole character arc and like made her go evil and all this stuff like that because you know for those who don't know madeline's original story was that she was just supposed to be a woman who just happened to look like Jean. You know, every now and again, you go through life and you see somebody who looks like somebody else. And that was supposed to be Maddie's thing. It was just like, no, even when Cyclops asked her at one point in time, like in some uncanny issues earlier, he like asked her, are you Jean Grey? And she punches him in the face. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just kind of like, yeah. So to kind of like get a lot of that stripped away and to go back to like, oh, she's just a clone of Jean. I was a little sad about that because I will say, when it comes to... Gene versus Maddie. I probably will lean a little bit more on Team Gene. However, when it comes to Maddie versus Cyclops, I'm definitely on Madeline's side. Most definitely. She didn't deserve any of the things that ever happened to her. While I may look at her as just a clone of Gene, I don't think that like her being tossed aside like that was was right. Was and I do think that um rereading this you do kind of really feel for her and the like the way mm-hmm. that they kind of write her off anyway kind of like she was like just being kind of tossed aside um so i don't know i don't know if they'll ever do anything like this in like live action because i because I the it. whole madeline thing could be convoluted but i think with the way that they're opening up like the multiverse and stuff anything is possible now so 
Yes, child. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I would I would love to see Inferno in live action in some form or fashion. Hey, you know, Magic and Demons, that's already kind of like my groove. So I'm here for it in that way. But I just think it's one of those X-Men storylines that's just, it's very iconic. It feels very heavy. It, like you said, it can be very scary. It's held up to the test of time. Um, and it's, it's I think it's one, again, it's great for like this time of the year. This is like the spooky story. This would be This would be your Halloween movie right here. Truly. It also really um, woke up for me. This was like one of the first crossover events that I had ever read as a kid either. So I expected them all to kind of operate like this. And what I what I mean by that is like, so my dad put me onto the X-Men and um, one of the first uh, like books he put me onto was this uh, X-Men event called Days of Future Present and the Fantastic mm-hmm. Four were in it. Um, he is not a Fantastic Four fan, but I became <laughs> a Fantastic Four fan, so I kept reading more of them, and like yeah. they would have fallout from Inferno. They didn't have mm-hmm. tie-ins like this, but because Inferno happened in New York, like they were dealing with like the demons and stuff. Like mm-hmm. the, you would be in a Fantastic Four book, and randomly on the pages, um, the thing would be walking by, and all of a sudden, the fire hydrant turned to life, and they would have to deal with that. And mm-hmm. it was all because of the fallout of Inferno. And, like, they would also... A lot of the other heroes were, I think, also dealing with, like, the kidnappings of these babies and stuff that was going on. So, yeah. like, I was expecting... I guess I was kind of, like... That was the bar for me as far as, like, crossover events, where if something happened mm-hmm. in a place, because they're in this connected universe, like, yeah, everybody would kind of feel the fallout of it. Yeah. So do you I still, like... like when, when you read crossovers nowadays, do you still enjoy... Because like, I think of something like a King in Black, which affected every single title is that something that you still feel as though needs to happen do you enjoy it or do you think now it's kind of to the point where it works off better in a separate mini series well i think it's a little bit different with like say something like a king in black where there are an infinite tie-ins and it takes over everything else whereas mm-hmm. inferno was really only between the x books however because it was happening in new york if your book is happening in New York, you're obviously going to see some like fallouts effects of it. So I would personally prefer stuff like that, where you can have like a King in Black, where there's a main series and mm. whatever kind of books tie into it. But you know, if um, if I have the Daredevil book, well, I'd assume we'd probably tie into King in Black. <laughs> but if I had like I don't know, anybody's random book in New York or something and King and Black is going on, I would expect to see something about those kind of things happen. It doesn't have to be a tie-in where they're tying into the story or you're seeing something where, you know, Ewing does this really well where if something is a tie-in, it's kind of how that character is handling the tie-in. You don't necessarily Mm -hmm. need to have that. But like if I am doing a Spider-Man book and the event is happening in New York, I don't have to tie in, but I would you want him to at least to acknowledge see, like, it. explosions in the background. <laughs> right. Okay. Him to be like, yeah. oh, okay, like, the X-Men are fighting demons. I can't go over there right now. But it is happening. But it is happening. It makes it all feel like a very much, like a lived-in universe. And okay. that's what I really appreciated about Inferno. Because this, the effects of this were felt everywhere. You can't kidnap kids and not, like, have the heroes go look for the kids. Uh, that is true. So when you think of things like that, then do you appreciate when they at least show, like, say it's happening in the main book. I think of something like um, 
Second Coming, Messiah Complex, and all that stuff. And when Bastion trapped the X-Men in that dome in San Francisco, we saw the Avengers and the Fantastic Four, like, on the outside saying, like, oh, we need to try and get this open. We need to try and do it. Do you mind, like, if, if it doesn't happen in their own book, do you at least, like, when it's shown in that book so it shows that other people do somehow acknowledge it? Exactly. Something like that is as well, too. Like, where it at least feels like a lived-in universe and less like an event that feels like a cash grab. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? At least then, yeah, if you at difference. least have some acknowledgement of the universe and things are happening around this event, then it feels less like that this was just a random event that kind of happened. Remember okay. Age of Ultron? Remember how that just kind of like randomly happened out of nowhere? Vaguely. Exactly. Won't <laughs> need exactly. <laughs> that. I like it like Inferno where you can feel the effects of it. Okay, that makes sense. Um, any characters that you came away, especially on the second time, that you felt like you appreciated a little bit more or that you saw differently, you looked at it a different light? Um, you know what? In this first half, I will say again, like that that X-Factor team, um, particularly Angel, I never really cared too much about him anyway, but like he was really kind of coming into his own and got sidetracked with this whole Dark Angel thing, which I thought was really interesting, kind of added some some spice and flavor to his character. So I came away from it thinking, oh, he's not as kind of boring as I thought he was going to be usually. Um, but I also liked, I liked Sinister more. Sinister has become an, an, a, a villain that I think I really, really enjoy. While the campy version of him is one that I think I like probably the most because that's just fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Wells's version of him where there's a mix of the campy and the sinister, where that's it's that that part of him isn't taken away, is nice. This version of him was way more sinister. I love it. This is just sinister. <laughs> this is this is just sinister, but it was still nice to see him in that way. Yeah. Um, I will say, uh, Marvel, if y'all are listening and you do adapt this into live action, you don't need to do the whole like malice thing. Polaris can be a villain without me. <laughs> you don't want to see and Storm no. smashing her head into the ground. <laughs> that part, is, I, all of that is fine too. But like, <laughs> I don't need, I don't need the whole like, uh, she's being like brainwashed and taken over, and then like her body was controlled. And then this one actually reminded me that when Malice show, when Malice shows up in Sinister's office and is like yelling at him, and he's like, I can't escape this body, and Sinister's like, you know. I put you in Polaris because Polaris has a lot more like aggression under her that she lets out. Um, it always moments like that where someone is taking over the body like that. Mm-hmm. It always feels like we are doing this because we want the character to be a villain, but we want to be able to wash it away when we take that back. <laughs> but in my opinion, mm-hmm. I think it's okay for for like a character to be a little bit of a villain or whatever, do some aggressive things, and then kind of. Like go through that phase where yeah. they're like, I'll be a bad guy. I think Colossus did something like that once before. Um, he was when with he, the uh, Acolytes. The Acolytes. And I, I agree. I think it's something that's very real when you have these heroes who are fighting for whatever their reasons might be. They become a little disillusioned with it because they go through a lot of bad stuff, whether it be death, loss of family members, demons taking over cities and like kidnapping <laughs> babies. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and you kind of get to a point where you have to cope with that failure a little bit or Mm -hmm. however it might entail and it's like yeah you might go a little be like maybe the bad guys are right maybe it's it is maybe they got a point 
<laughs> yeah. And I, agree. I think that that's okay that for a character to do that without it having to be a oh they were brainwashed or mm-hmm. something like that. Do you? Well, in that same vein, do you like mind if they go through the brainwashing, but then like obviously the brainwashing after has a pretty adverse effect? Like if you had seen Polaris kind of going through this and being like, I hate that I was kidnapped. Like I'm still struggling with these thoughts. Like is that the real me? Do you think you would have appreciated a little bit more? Well, that's what is what happened to her after this after Inferno anyway. Spoiler alert for anybody who <laughs> we're doing a doing a Polaris deep dive or whatever, but. After this whole thing happened, that's when she like started to go to therapy and okay. was like, you know, I don't know if this is if that was the real me. Where do I like what part of Polaris is there? So hmm. she did do that. Okay. Shout uh, out and to her, that like that when she joined X Factor and stuff, there was a shout out to Pat for really like uh Peter David for really diving into that because it would have been easy to just kind of gloss over, but she did talk a lot about her being possessed and mm-hmm mind controlled and um being letting that aggression out but then she had to also show that like you know maybe some of that was me and i'm okay with that okay but again i think that you can get you can get over all the convoluted parts of like how much of it was or how much it wasn't if you just make them evil from the beginning it's okay (laughs) (laughs) um what what did you think like the teams that dealt with the Inferno, like you think about mm-hmm. the X-Men as a whole and you say this is something you'd like to see in live action. Do you feel as though all of these characters were kind of vital to it or are you OK with like thinking they could be switched out or something like that? Uh, I think you can kind of switch out a few of them most definitely and replace some people. I do think others are much more vital. I think it is. It's probably important that Gene and storm are on separate teams okay and that and that the x-men are kind of still underground probably or at least since everyone thought they were dead you know that yeah. kind of aspect of it um but you could probably switch it up everybody don't got to be there certain people have to be there i do think so but like others don't gene you need mm. obviously gene magic. you need scott you need um you don't need long shot no. Do you ever? Okay. Uh, <laughs> let me not do that to Longshot. He's an Outback original. He's got to get. I got to get him. But I really he don't like him. Outback original. But I still didn't even like him back then. Like you can't he even be saved like, by the Outback era. <laughs> okay, you're down bad then. Because that's terrible. Yeah. Um, okay. Well. I don't know. You know, we we got to finish the second half next week. But so far, I will say that I'm very much enjoying this reread of Inferno. I'm enjoying getting back to these characters. Anything that does with Outback. Um, Nanny has a lot of showcasings in this. Nanny oh, yeah. and um, this is actually and, one of the reasons. Uh, Orphan Maker. This is actually one of the reasons why I like Nanny. Yeah. <laughs> like, so far, like Nanny, I'm like, oh no, Nanny was cool. I yeah, was down. Nanny is a villain. <laughs> when yeah. there, there was that scene, and I forget which Uncanny X-Men issue was it um, that we were doing for this reread, but there was a scene where Nanny, like, had Orphan Maker go in and get these kids and kill the parents. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, this is this is very violent. <laughs> <laughs> like, the only people, like, she will kill you. 
Mm-hmm. Like that is there's no question about this. If you are if you are of age, if you are not a child, you can die. <laughs> That's like Nanny's motto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really interesting to see a lot of that. I feel like this was probably the the last big showcasing of Nanny before Hellions, right? I don't think she was that big I of a. So. She like popped up every right. now and again. She uh, I remember when they were trying to make Trance like for the new X Men, they were trying to make her like the next popping kid. Um, she got a one shot with Wolverine, and Nanny was like the villain of that. Oh, okay. Yeah, she like kidnapped her and was trying to do all this stuff, so Wolverine had to go and like rescue her. Um, but other than that, she she really just pops up like very minor appearance well before hellions it was just very minor appearances here and there mm. do you like her as like a villain with her like her motif of kidnapping kids oh, yeah and with the I, right and all that yeah i love it i think it's cool i don't know I, I i got a thing for like the villains who like they're kidnapping kids but it's not really for ill intent it's more so right. like I, I'm really just trying to protect these kids and like those are the ones that matter. The children are our future. <laughs> right. And sometimes people are in the way, according to Nanny. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think the second half is probably where things are going to really get spicy. Um, so definitely make sure you guys check out next week when we do the second half of the reread with X Factor um 36 through i think it's 39 uh x-factor 36 through 40 and uncanny x-men at 240 to 243 mm, the good stuff <laughs> this is when it really get hot <laughs> all right so that brings us to the end of the show make sure you guys check us out on wherever you check your podcast please make sure you leave us um comments and rate us do all that good stuff we really appreciate all the support we've got some really exciting things coming up soon make sure Um, you come back next week definitely please make sure you come back next week um do you want to say it or should we keep it a surprise no we can say it if you're listening you know okay well um Next week, we'll be doing a really fun interview with uh, Kelly Thompson, the current writer of Captain Marvel and Black Widow. So if you have any questions for her or um, if you want to just show some love, please make sure you send us some stuff at anotherrelaunch at gmail.com or on our Twitter at anotherrelaunch. Um, yeah, so you can find me on most social media platforms at UncannyLZ. Keenan, where can they find you? You guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Keenan Lance. You know there's an underscore at the end. All right, y'all, let's get up out of here and we will see y'all next week. Peace.